Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support me on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie, all one word. And uh, I have weekly bonus episodes on there of everything else I'm watching. Um, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons. They are Jeff, Jeff Woodman, Philip Barker, Michael Cross, and Josh Johnson. Thank you guys for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I have a returning voice on the podcast that you've heard a few times. I have John Rogers on here. Say hi, John. Hi, John. Old joke, but I'm a dad. <laughs> Welcome <kind> back. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. You have come on the show several times um, and you're very active in our Facebook group, giving us the uh, the weekly Turner Classic movie lineup. Yeah, that's something I enjoy doing. It's uh, Since I've retired from teaching, it gives me an excuse to do a little bit of writing uh, every week. And uh, even though <laughs> I've done so many of them now, I'm able to copy and paste from former um uh, listings of those films a lot of times including the one we're about to talk about yes um yeah i was gonna say since uh you just talked about teaching i guess this this movie choice is close to your heart and if you guys haven't listened to an episode before i always let the guests pick the movie so john what what movie did you choose to talk about today the 1939 version of goodbye mr chips an MGM production, uh, one of the MGM productions that they did in England, they opened up a British studio because as World War II was getting cranked up, uh, the Brits didn't want to lose business and uh, MGM mm. get cut out. So they uh, established a, a sort of a... Uh, partnership with the British film industry to operate an MGM studio there. I did not realize that. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So this is goodbye, Mr. Chips. I have not seen this movie before, um, but I really enjoyed it. And I do want to let our listeners know that if you have not seen this movie, you may want to pause and rent it. You can rent it on iTunes, by the way. <laughs> um, but the synopsis of it is that it's about an aged teacher and a former headmaster of a boarding school recalling his career and personal life over the decades. So it kind of it's one of those movies that like starts sort of in reverse, like at the end of the movie and when the whole movie is like about his life. 
Um, so John, when did you first see this movie? I don't remember. <laughs> I honestly don't, but I have a, <laughs> a love for teacher movies. In fact, when I did my midlife career change, um, to, uh, from retail management to go into teaching, uh, I did look oh, at several teacher movies and yeah. And, uh, kind of. I know that in real life teaching isn't like it is in the movies, but sometimes it is. And I just fell in love with this story. I'm plus I'm a fan of classic movies anyway. And this came out in 1939, which is mm-hmm. probably the most classic of classic movie years. And, uh, yeah, you know, that was the year of gone with the wind and wizard of Oz and adventures of Robin hood and, and Stagecoach, which made John Wayne a star, all that and many more were 1939 and uh, Robert Donat, who Good played point. Mr. Chips, uh, won the best actor Oscar beating out uh, Clark Gable and gone with the wind and James Stewart and wow. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. So he had some heady competition that year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a couple of quick facts that I wrote down too. just a couple. Um, one of them was that uh, Greer Garson's performance is only 25 minutes of the movie, and yet she received an Oscar nomination in the Best, best Actress category. It's one of the shortest performances to have been nominated. <laughs> yes, and back then, they, uh, and it wasn't until really the last, I don't know, 25 or 30 years that uh, uh, time time that was on screen played as much of a uh, uh, factor in which category you got nominated in. She was pretty much the only mm. actress in this film. So therefore she was an actress in a leading role. And uh, this true. was her screen debut and she obviously acquitted herself very well and became a star. Yeah. I mean, like she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but she does make a pretty big impact in the movie. So that's kind of understandable. Um, another fact that I had was that this is adapted from the 1934 novella, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Uh, James Hilton based the character of Mr. Chips on W.H. Balgarney, his older uh, classics master who taught for over 50 years at the Lays Public School in Cambridge. And I have read the book. I have a paperback copy in a box someplace. I've thought of digging it out and reading it again before we had our discussion, but I wasn't that industrious. Uh, Yeah, the book, (laughs) No worries. again, called a novella, it's much like the movie. It's very episodic. It's almost a collection of short stories as much as it is a novel. Hmm. While you have the continuing storyline, uh, much like, say, Mr. Holland's Opus, another wonderful teacher movie, is episodes in this guy's life mm-hmm. uh, that are uh, yeah. strung, uh, brought together by his uh, association with the, uh, the school. Yeah, yeah. And this film, you know, I kind of wondered about it as I was watching it, but it takes place between 1870 to 1933. Yes, I think uh, Donat's character, Mr. Chipping, 
ages from like age 25 to 80 or something like that. There's a reason I didn't teach math. I haven't done that math. Uh, But uh, yes. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know uh, either. (laughs) (laughs) It does start uh, uh, pretty much towards the end of Queen Victoria and goes all the way through just before uh, World War II with an emphasis on the war years uh, during World War One, which was a major factor in that. And that's another parallel. I, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here, but parallel between this movie, Goodbye, Mr. Ships, and Mr. Holland's Opus, they both have an episode in them in which uh, the teacher character mourns a student who was lost in the war, uh, Mr. Ships. Uh, oh, interesting. The, one of the collies. And uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Holland, uh, the Terrence Howard character who was lost in Vietnam. There's a lot of parallels yeah, there. So yeah. if you've seen Mr. Holland's opus and kind of want to see where that kind of storytelling comes from, this is where to go. Man, I haven't seen that movie in such a long time, Mr. Holland's opus. I remember seeing it. I think I saw it in theaters. Um. Yeah, so this was directed by Sam Wood, who I'm not super familiar with, if I'm honest. But when I looked at his uh, IMDb page, like ton, he did tons of movies. Yeah, he was one of uh, MGM's journeyman directors, say you know, uh, and uh, uh, he was, uh, and uh, he was an American who they sent to England to help start this uh, this. British division oh, okay. of MGM Studios. Yeah. And you mentioned already that it stars Robert. How do you spell his last? How do you pronounce his last name? Donat. It's like Donut, but with Donat. an A. Donat. Okay, so Robert. And the only reason I know that is from <laughs> so watching Rob... Turner Classic Movies and hearing Mankiewicz pronounce it. Nice. I felt like you would know. <laughs> but yeah, Robert Donat and Greer Garson are the main stars. Do you recognize any other like familiar faces in the movie? Uh, yeah, one. Uh, Paul Heinreid, a, a few years before he really impressed us in Casablanca, which is a movie you and I have talked about before. Um, this was, That's true. if not his first one of his first films, uh, or at least first English-speaking film. And he played a a Mm. German professor that was one of uh, Chipping's colleagues and was indirectly responsible for Chipping to meet uh, Kathy, the Greer Garson character, which obviously had a very huge impact on Chip's life and course of events that uh, follow him throughout, again, throughout his career. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about some of your favorite scenes from the movie? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, when the movie begins, Chipping is, uh, and if you like Harry Potter movies, this will all seem kind of familiar. He's arriving at the uh, train station where the special train is taking all these students to this English boarding school, much like the platform nine and a half or whatever it is in the Potter movies, except there's no wizardry going Mm -hmm. on here. 
and he's no, he is as green <laughs> as the grass in our yards outside. This is his first teaching job, and as it turns out, this would be <laughs> the only teaching job he ever has. And um, uh, he gets on the train and shares a compartment with about six boys. One of them uh, is the first collie. Um, I got to explain something. There's a, since this is a multi-generational story, um, one of the ways they show the passage of time mm-hmm. is to feature the, uh, the different characters and the different clothing and hairstyles that they had. But they did a neat trick that uh, there's this yeah. one family who always sent their sons to Brookfield School and their name mm-hmm. was Collie. And uh, the first Collie was John Connolly, Collie. John Conley, that was the governor of Texas. John Colley, uh, who later on in the movie is Sir John Colley. Um, and, uh, but they oh. had the same kid actor play all the Colleys. Uh, first, he's John Colley, and then he's <laughs> Peter Colley, the first, the second, and the third at the very end of the movie, which gives us our most heart touching moment. But we'll get to that in a little bit. So, yeah, Chipping gets on the train. Uh, these students are all excited for school. They're all, if you've ever been in a, and these boys are probably middle school age, most of them. And um, so they're very excited. And there's this one little boy that's in the compartment that uh, is uh, already homesick and chipping tries to comfort the boy. And the, the other boys are distracted by something else. And the new boy starts to cry and, the other boys turn around and, and assume that Chipping has uh, upset the boy in some way when actually all he was trying to do was was to comfort the boy. And um, so he kind of gets off on the wrong foot. Um, first day of school, and I've been there. <laughs> Believe me, you learn how to maintain order in a classroom. Chipping doesn't have those skills yet. They kind of run over him. And as punishment, he decides to keep them in um, the classroom when the the big cricket match is going on, which (laughs) um, makes the boys' resentment towards him even more so, but they know now not to mess with him. So for a good chunk of the movie at the beginning, uh, he's seen as a no-nonsense disciplinarian. And... um, and along the way, and it's actually in the timeline about 20 years uh, later, he and uh, the German professor uh, go on a vacation to Austria. And so that's oh. already 20. That That is as long as I taught. Again, because I was laid into the business, but that was 20... 20 years was, you know, uh, was about all of it I could take, which I'm glad I put that on the second half of my working life. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's already 20 years. And, and they very cleverly age chipping. Uh, I think Donette was approaching 30 himself when uh, the filming happened. And at first he's clean shaven and, and uh, fresh faced. And by the time they get to the Austria scenes, he's sporting a mustache and maybe just a little touch of gray in his hair. And for uh, the time, uh, they the makeup artists do an admirable job of of making him look yeah. older without it looking fake, in my opinion. 
anyway, so they go to Austria. Yeah. They, uh, Chipping and the German professor, who's, I think his name is Stossel, uh, go on this walking tour of Austria where on a foggy evening, he's up in the, the highlands and he hears a woman's voice calling out and he's afraid that there's somebody in trouble. So he climbs on up the mountain where he, one of the best meet cute scenes in any rom-com meets Greer Garson, who's this young woman. She was not in mm. trouble. She was just calling out to hear the echo of her own voice and stuff like that. But they immediately hit it off. And, uh, uh, this middle section is their brief time in Austria. And, uh, at the end of the Austrian vacation, they d- decide to marry, even though he's like 20 years older than she, she's supposed to be about 25. He's supposed to be about um, 40 or so at this point. And, um, <clears throat> so they decide to marry and she awakens something in him. He had kind of suppressed his own emotions and personality for so long to be this disciplinarian that yeah. she awakens sense of humor and his love of life. And so she comes back to Brookfield with him where she immediately charms uh, the children. She starts having uh, groups of boys come to their house every Sunday for tea and, and biscuits as they call it. And, um, gets to be very popular and, and the uh, other teachers love her to death as well. And, and as that, at that point, Chipping starts harboring hopes that someday he would be headmaster of the school. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, but the scene where they mate on, on the mountain uh, and this, then a few minutes later, the scene at the train station, when she goes back to England, back to London, and he's going back to Brookfield, and they decide to get married. And what's funny is the the uh, Stossel character, Paul Heinrich's character, uh, he and Kathy's uh, lady friend, a traveling companion, have already started making the plans for the wedding even before they had. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was like everybody saw, saw that they were so much in love uh, even before they realized it. Uh, uh, unfortunately Kathy is not with us very long I'll kind of leave that alone uh, don't want to uh, and uh, uh, but yeah she well she does pass away and uh, uh, so the rest of the film is chipping as he grows older and he gets passed over uh, for the headmaster job, uh, several times, you know, for uh, various yeah. politics, uh, you know, his uh, at first inability to maintain discipline, then and being too much of a disciplinarian, whatever, and uh, and uh, I, I, you're asking about favorite scenes. The new headmaster uh, in the uh, early 1900s comes in by this time chipping is is great and he's got this huge Mark Twain mustache and he always wears his academic mm-hmm. robe while he's on campus and uh, his mortarboard even though by this time most of the professors aren't doing that anymore he still clings to those old traditions but his yeah. his gown is is worn out it, it, it doesn't even hang across his shoulders properly uh, 
and that's another neat trick they use to make it look like he's aging. You know, he was a very handsome, broad-shouldered young man, and now his he it seems that his shoulders aren't even wide enough to properly hold up this this uh, academic gown he wears. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> the new headmaster uh, tries to has this talk with him, saying, "It's about time for you to retire." Uh, you know, people make fun of your robes. They make fun of the old-fashioned way that you teach Latin, blah, blah, this. And uh, this is when Sir John Colley, who was one of the kids at the very beginning and by now has had son and grandson come through uh, the school. Uh, well, he's on the board of trustees. And so the board of trustees stick up for Mr. Chipping and he's allowed to, uh, to stay until about four or yeah. five years later, he does retire, but he lives on a, a little cottage just outside of, of the campus. And that's when World War One breaks out. And right. uh, because so many of the teachers and uh, administrators have to go do their military service, he's called back and finally gets to be the headmaster during the war years. Yeah. And <clears throat> heartbreaking scene uh, again, this kind of was reflected to me in Mr. Holland's opus with the funeral scene of the uh, former student that had become a soldier. Uh, Chipping reads the role of honor every week uh, to the students in the General Assembly. And uh, among uh, them was the, uh, I think, the second colleague. And also Strassel, Chipping's friend, mm-hmm. who had, uh, when the work had, had started, had gone back to uh, Austria and had fought on the sides of the Germans. And uh, the students think it's odd that he would be reading a German name in the, in the role of honor, but he wasn't. Uh, he was honoring his friend. And that man was serving his country as much as the Englishmen were serving theirs. And, and that was an interesting thing too, because it's 1939 World War II's getting started. Everybody knows it's going to happen. And I saw a thing about Warner brothers the other night and Warner brothers was really wanting to add to the anti-German sentiment. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, with the the Confessions of a Nazi Spy and Casablanca even. And um, MGM kind of skirts around the issue in this movie with uh, with that particular scene. Yeah. And the war ends and uh, Chipping does retire for good this time. And uh, uh, near the end, uh, some of the the boys, the latest collie as a freshman student there, and they think they're pulling a prank on him by sending him to, to knock on Chipping's door. And this <laughs> is my scene. And um, Chipping opens the door. The little collie says, here I am, Mr. Chipping. And Chipping doesn't know what's going on, but he sees the other boys peeking around the corner and realizes that they're doing a little bit of hazing on this young boy. So he invites the boy in. He doesn't realize that he's a collie yet. And they have a nice little tea and biscuit session. And uh, 
and also leads up to the, the wonderful final line, which is the title of the book, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. And, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, just a lot of little episodes, uh, not necessarily a continuous narrative thread, um, but yeah. uh, here's a sample of his life in the 1890s. Here's a sample of his life in the 1920s, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, uh, and that's how the book was written as well as these little short vignettes. Yeah, I was really struck by in this movie just he had such a long life and every time you think his life is going into a certain direction, it seems to take another one. And I feel like that's exactly how life is. Yeah, that's uh, that's a fact. Uh, you and I both in the last couple of years have had curveballs thrown us that we've managed to work through and, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, good point uh, yeah I mean you know here. it's kind of teasing the, yeah same <laughs> yeah we shouldn't forget how lucky we are to be here <laughs> so true um I I was I thought it was interesting like when you meet uh Mr. Chips his uh future wife but you know that in the present she's not around so like I you know it, it's kind of like you know that there's going to be a tragedy um, it doesn't make yeah. that when that happens in the film any less impactful, but, um, that happens. And then, like you said, he, you know, she pumps him up about how she sees him becoming a headmaster and then that doesn't happen. And for a while I'm like, Oh, okay, I guess that's not going to happen. And then world war one happens and then he's, he's pulled back in and then he eventually does become headmaster. But it's just like that, that really is kind of how life is, right? Where you, it's like, you have a trajectory and then, you get a curveball, like you said, and then um, you do a few things for a few years. He comes back. It's like it's just so interesting. Like he lived, he lives such a long time in the film, um, yeah. but he lives such a full life, even though it doesn't go the way he wants it to. It still comes across as like a very wonderful life that he lived. Indeed, uh, I think one of the reasons that Kathy's demise hisses so hard is that is because of Greer Garson and her performance. She is just so well, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously very pretty and but her character is just such a lovely character, you know. That she captures our hearts the way she captures the boys and, and the other uh teachers. Uh and um and she there's nothing not likable about her. And so when she's suddenly gone from us, yeah. it does hit hard, even though you can see it coming a mile off. Uh, you know, it's just part of it. And, uh, but uh, again, it, uh, in the hands of another actress, uh, it might not have hit us so hard. Uh, again, she just I did agree. a wonderful job of playing that character. Yeah. I wanted to see her <clears throat> stick around a lot longer because she was just so lovely and, and such a wonderful, uh, lady to be around, you know? Yeah, and Mr. Chips comes across as very much a one one woman man. I mean, he even expresses like when they meet, he's very awkward. He hasn't like you kind of mentioned before, he was so focused on his career. It's like 
he didn't really know how to like connect with women. So like if, if they hadn't gotten stuck on that mountain together, it probably never would have happened. And I also felt like watching that scene that that was like the start of a trope, you know, like there's so many (laughs) movies where people are like stuck in an elevator or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they're stuck in a situation where they have to connect and, but it works so well in this movie. And um, yeah, she's just so lovely. So when she's gone, you're like, what is he going to do? But like he lives, he goes on to live a long life. And then at the end of his life, um, you know, I told you probably, you, you asked me if I cried watching it. And I think at the end when he overhears someone say, oh, it's so sad. He like never had any kids. And then he makes a comment like um, something to the effect of like, I did have kid. I I did have kids. I had thousands of them, all boys. And I thought that was just so touching. And that gets me every time. I I probably watch this film. Uh, well, it pops up on Turner three or four times a year. And I, I, I'll, I'll probably watch it at least once a year, perhaps twice a year. Uh, and uh, it was on, which was what prompted me to contact you last week. I was watching it last week and I was still wiping the tears out of my eyes when I sent you that message. Uh, I, I just, Aww. you know, the, quote a phrase i love that movie and uh, <laughs> and he is so believable and again and the performance is so believable and they again they did such a good job of uh, the makeup and the way he carried himself and the way he walked around as a very again he was a very nice looking young man but by the time he's he's the old man at the end he's kind of shuffling around uh, very small steps, uh, which I'm learning about myself these days. And uh, <laughs> uh, they fit his clothes so they look like they hung off of him more. And uh, again, the Mark Twain mustache and the wig. But the, but the, even mm-hmm. I've seen so many uh, movie makeup jobs from back in where they just painted wrinkles on them. And, and uh, you can tell and they did wrinkle his face. I don't, I don't know if they were using latex then or not, but it does to me, it does not look fake. And I remember this is also a black and white, which I know turns a lot of our listeners off, but, uh, uh, it's <laughs> in black and white. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, uh, so that probably helped with it a lot, but, uh, it didn't look like grease paint. It, it looked like, the the lines in his forehead and around his eyes he kind of had an albert einstein look to him in the later scenes he does yeah and i feel like it's like you said they kind of let his performance be what ages him and instead of the makeup like you said relying too heavy on it so like i think in a modern under a modern lens it doesn't he doesn't look 80 but he certainly is playing the character like he's 80. So you, you get the gist and, and it looks pretty good for back then. I agree. And um, yeah, that, that ending scene is very moving to me because I think it highlights like a personal, um, I guess, like belief that I have that like so many things in life are not permanent, but it's like that. Uh, I think it's a Maya Angela quote, you know, people won't remember what you did or what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And, um, you know, definitely Mr. Chips 
had such an impact on his students. I mean, it's like they, he was beloved, you know, you could tell like in the scene when he um, retires the first time <laughs> he right. um, has that gift from the students and the students fight for him and they care about him. And it's because they can tell he genuinely cares about them. And I don't think he would have had the longevity in his career or the connection with those students. If not for his wife, I think she brought that out of him and it, it changed who he was going forward. He became like this very warm and like loving person that, that everyone at the end of the movie really connects with. Indeed. And there's a scene in there that shows his skill as a teacher and as a, uh... Uh, just a person who's in tune with what the students are feeling. There's a scene during the World War One sequence where they have to go down in the cellar, uh, lower school as they call it, because of a bomb raid. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of just sitting down there and huddling, he has them take out their Latin books and they read uh, uh, a section from Julius Caesar about when he fought... Uh, Oh yeah, against Germanic tribes in Gaul, and uh, and uses that as a teachable moment. But also, uh, by this time, he has developed a pretty good sense of humor, and uh, uh, so he was able to use that to his advantage to ease the boys' uh, fear uh, about what was going on just outside the the building that they were in. And uh, so, yeah, he's more than just do the assignment on page 57 guy he uh he he gets really in tune with the kids which is also shown uh, again my very favorite scene is that almost the last scene where the youngest collie calls on him uh he immediately picks up the here's a scared little boy was kind of now that I think about it ties it all the way back to that first scene on the train when he tries to comfort that boy and obviously doesn't know how to do it but in the last scene where he uh, makes Kali feel at home and not scared of being at this big uh, foreboding institution that is Brookfield College, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, he he has developed those skills and obviously used them to great advantage. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's just one of a number of teacher. I think I've, posted a list on the Facebook page a few weeks ago of favorite teacher movies. And uh, this is definitely oh, one of them. That's a good but idea. It wasn't really until earlier today that I realized that it's much like Mr. Holland's opus and that it covers a long period of time and uh, has these separate incidents throughout. Yeah. I don't think I realized that either. Um, but it just, yeah, it, it, I like the way they use like the different historical markers to show the passage of time and the time that the character is alive, like so much happens in his lifetime, which is really interesting. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and what's interesting too is while this is set in Britain and England and an English boarding school, which you and I, we don't have much except for Harry Potter movies, maybe don't have much of a connection <laughs> to, um, but we've all had teachers. We've all been students. And uh, some of those teachers we've gotten along with, and some of them we have not. And Chipping managed 
through the course of his lifetime be both of those. Yeah, uh, very true. And uh, uh, one other actor, you asked about actors I recognize. There's only one other actor whose name mm-hmm. I recognize. Collie uh, is a young man. I believe it's when he's a soldier getting ready to, sh- to ship out. Uh, was played by John Mills, who did okay. was an English actor, and uh, uh, but he did some stuff over here. Uh, but he was also the father of Haley Mills, who was in the original Parent Trap. Uh, she played the twins, and and uh, that John Mills was her father. The last thing oh. I saw him in was. Uh, the musical Cats, uh, there's a DVD version of it, not the bad movie that came out a couple of years ago, but the stage show. And he played uh, the old theater cat uh, in, in the London production of that. Oh, One really? Of the last things he did. Yeah. And uh, which is my favorite part of Cats is, I don't, can't imagine why, uh, but this old <laughs> actor cat who, played thousands of roles and, and uh, but that he was in that, but he was in quite a few things, both mainly in England, but some things over here, John Mills uh, played uh, yeah. one of the middle collies. Uh, the boy that played collie, uh, he, I can't remember his name, hang on, but he did kind of, uh, the young man that played all the, the uh, Terry Kilburn was his name. Uh, the only other thing I know about him, he was Tiny Tim in one of the old uh, uh, versions of A Christmas Carol. Uh, but uh, I understand he had a pretty long career, mainly as a kid actor, but then later on. Uh, and he, I think he's the only one of this old cast is, is still with us. Uh, oh, wow. But he did an amazing, amazing job because... All the collies had different personalities, even though the same kid played them. The first one was one of the malcontents in Chipping's earliest class. And in the middle, he uh, he gets into a fight with uh, that collie, uh, gets into a fight with another kid who uh, was supposedly not of the same class. And they wind up being best friends because of Chipping's influence. And uh, then at the end, he's the scared little newbie uh, who accidentally comes to visit Mr. Chips at the very end. And every one of those characters was, uh, had his own personality. And uh, uh, oh, that's so, so interesting. Uh, he, he did a fine job for, you know, being a probably only old 10, 11, 12 year old kid playing these four roles. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like you don't see that very often in a movie where like the same actors playing different roles like that. Definitely a, an old style of filmmaking. The acting, uh, while wonderful at the same time, is, it's not exactly stagey, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not like super real. It's not, exactly, it's not super real, but it's not stagey either. They're not playing to the back rows the way. Uh, a yeah, lot it's of, kind of in between. Uh, films had. Yeah, 
and uh, but like like I do when I watch a silent film say I just kind of unhook my mind from 2023 and just enter the right. world of the film and and, uh, so I agree. Uh, uh, yeah. So this movie obviously yeah, it's works a good for point. Me. I it mean, might not work for everybody, but uh, it uh, it it talks to me again because of my uh, profession. But uh, at the same time, it's it's just just a neat story. Yeah. Robert Donat was 34 years old when they filmed it. Uh, and he ages 63 years over the course of the film. So again, thank oh, you, wow. IMDb. He says, as soon as I put that mustache on, I felt the part, even if I did look like a great Airedale come out of a puddle. <laughs> Airedale <laughs> terrier dog. Yeah. He, well, it sounds like his award was much deserved. Well, again, look what he was up against. So uh, Jimmy Stewart, yeah. uh, one of his signature roles, and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And, of course, Clark Gable, uh, Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought Gone with the Wind won every other Academy Award that year except that one, practically. Uh, Mickey yeah. Rooney was nominated, but, you know, I, you can take – Mickey Rooney and go somewhere else with him. I never did like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, it brings me to my last couple of questions for you. And, and the first one is just that, um, you know, how would you sum up this movie? Why, why do you think you've seen it so many times? What about it keeps drawing you back? Well, again, because I became a teacher, uh, I, I see some of the struggles that, he went through. I do remember my rookie year, even though I was in my forties when I started teaching, uh, and had had management experience, which I was able to use. It if you get a classroom full of kids that just that you lose control of them early, you're not going to get that control. And it took Chips a while to do that, just as it did with me, and as it does with practically every new teacher. They have to learn how to uh, gain that control and respect. Um, the love story, you know, I'm yeah. a sucker for that stuff. Uh, I'm a sucker for dad and children's stories. And even though Chipping never becomes a biological father, he was like a father to these kids, as he said at the end. And uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff. But if you just want to see a really nice story where there's no bad guys uh, and uh, just people... I just enjoy being around these people for the couple of hours that this movie is. And it's a fairly short movie, I believe. Uh, uh, it's just a pleasurable way to spend. And, yeah. It's just shy under two yeah. hours, I think. And uh, I always have a good time when, when I see it. Now there was a remake in 1969 with Peter O'Toole and Petula Clark, where they had turned it into a musical. I have not, yeah, I saw that. I have not seen it, and from what I understand, I don't want to see it. I don't want anything to taint my memory of this film. Uh, uh, so uh, I've, I've heard that it's <laughs> not Peter O'Toole's best, finest moment. 
but uh, Robert Donat, obviously, I, this is the only movie that oh, I'm gosh. familiar uh, with him from. Uh, as I understand it, he, well, obviously he's an Englishman, but oh, okay. uh, he came to Hollywood for a little while, didn't like it here. Plus, uh, he had a severe asthma, and uh, uh, so he didn't do a whole lot of movies, but he was also a very fine stage actor in, uh, in England. And so, uh, but I am so glad that he gave us this movie. Yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad that you recommended it. Um, did, did you already do, what's your pitch for the movie? Like, how would you describe it to someone that, might have never heard of it and is just getting into it? Well, for me, is when I need a good man cry, <laughs> this is one of the ones I put on. If <laughs> uh, I love it. And sometimes we just have to clear clear those uh, emotions out. Um, no, it's, the performances are, are wonderful. Are wonderful. The performances are wonderful. It's got a neat look to it, even though it's very old looking. It captures a time and place that really doesn't exist anymore, and uh, and the again the relationships, uh, even though it is a series of short vignettes, the relationships are real. The relationship between Chips and his friend Stossel, and of course the the Chips and Catherine. And then later on, I mean, almost back to back, you see the headmaster trying to force Chips out. And then the next scene is supposed to be several years later. And the headmaster said, hey, I almost messed up when I tried to get this man to retire early. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's, 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 he's just a neat person to get to know and, and to watch grow. I agree. I agree. Yes, very much so. Well, John, it's a pleasure as always. Always love having you on. And, um, you know, when when we talk, it's like there, like no time has passed. So thank you again for yeah. coming on. And, I can't think of a better way to spend them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love having you on and, and hope to have you back soon. 